Paul's first letter to the Corinthians 4 9-16. Brethren, God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst, we are ill-clad and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless, when persecuted, we endure, when slandered, we try to conciliate, we have become, and are now, as the refuse of the world, the offscouring of all things. I do not write this to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you, then, be imitators of me. Dash dash dash. This is an unusual passage, in that Paul is calling our attention to himself and the other apostles. This should not be seen as being a statement of pride, a look at me and how wonderful I am, in fact it is the opposite. Paul is showing how the apostles, though very important and even fathers to the church, are in disrepute. The opening statement in this passage points us toward Paul's understanding that a major shift is taking place in the world. God has put the apostles on exhibit as the last of all. This phrase really ought to make us pause and consider what it is that the apostles are the last of. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden to the moment just before the resurrection, man lived within the ordinances of the Old Covenant. With the Incarnation, the world entered into an overlap period where Jesus was preparing mankind for the shift from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. It would be the Apostles who would lead men through the devastation of this transition into the New Covenant. When Paul says that the Apostles were the last of all, he is clarifying the point that the Apostles, as having begun their lives in the Old Covenant, were in the God-given position to continue Jesus' work of leadership of the Church. Every Apostle, with the exception of John, would face a martyric death because of their faithfulness to Christ. As Paul says, they were a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. Paul's point here is that the Apostles, as the chosen ones to lead the Church, would be on display for all to see. This work would make a change in the world like had never before been seen. The Apostles would face the wrath of those Jews who rejected Christ, the wrath of a Roman-led world that believed in the old gods and would lead the Church through the death and destruction of the closing of the Old Covenant. But God is always faithful and provided the means of salvation through this transition. Like the Ark for Noah and the protection of Cyrus as the Jews were freed from Babylonian captivity, God sent Jesus Christ to be the means for the people of God to pass into the New Covenant. Paul goes on to describe just how difficult a role this is for the Apostles. They are in the throes of suffering and deprivation as they bring the Gospel to the known world. He shows how the Apostles respond to the oppression they are undergoing. Even when their enemies are taking every opportunity to revile, persecute and slander them, the Apostles respond with love, in imitation of Jesus Christ as He was suffering in the crucifixion. But all of this is not being said in order to make the early church feel bad or guilty. Paul is communicating the reality of life to the early church so that they rightly understand what is taking place. With many of the first believers coming out of Judaism, the tendency for them would be to interpret these events as signs of God's displeasure. During the Old Covenant, physical and temporal blessing was a sign of God's favor, while loss, sickness and the success of one's enemies was a sign of God's displeasure. This is a point of which the Apostles would need to continually remind the early Church. No longer is man living under the Old Covenant with its temporal and physical boundaries. Man, because he is no longer limited by the boundaries of physical life and physical death, should base his life on the goal of holiness which will never end. The final judgment and the final resurrection will take place because of Jesus' defeat of death. Even in the face of horrible persecution and suffering in the here and now, 
Mankind can know that death has been defeated and that eternal life is our free gift through Jesus Christ. Paul's closing comment is particularly important in rightly understanding the mode and operation of the body of Christ. He states that there are many guides within the church, but there are very few fathers. That which Jesus taught the apostles has been handed down, authoritatively to the early church. That same message has been handed down through the centuries to the current day. This is the message that we must embrace and live by. The faith and practice of the historic Christian church is to be our boundary. The apostles have been given to us as a foundation for our faith and practice, as we see symbolically represented in Revelation 21:14. We are in no position to define for ourselves the belief and practice of the Christian faith. Jesus and the apostles have done this work for us. It is our place to embrace the historic Christian faith and live that faith out in every area of our lives. We have the apostles as our fathers and like our biological fathers who raised us up and formed our thinking, the apostolic faith ought to be an even a greater role in our formation and belief.